You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome, friends, to another episode. I've had kind of a rough couple days. I had this pain in my hip. It's called piriformis syndrome. It's kind of like sciatica, uh, and I haven't had it in five years, but it came back. Basically, we were watching Titanic on Sunday, which if you know that film, which you probably do, it's extremely long, (laughs) and maybe I was just like sitting in the wrong position. I don't know. I think there are different reasons why that can happen. It's kind of can be from an imbalance of your hips or the muscles in your hips, um, which I think is kind of maybe why mine is. I might be more open on one side and then the other side will try to compensate for that. So uh, yeah, so the last couple of days have been kind of annoying um, and I haven't been able to sleep very well, but last night was better. The night before that, I basically didn't sleep at all. (laughs) Fell asleep at like one or two o'clock because if you've had any type of sciatica or uh, sacroiliac pain or piriformis syndrome, then you know it's really hard to find a comfortable position. But it slowly goes away. Uh, I've been doing some different stretches and taking some turmeric (laughs) to try to reduce that inflammation um, of where the muscle uh, meets the sciatic nerve. So anyways, I am sitting here going to record the podcast and I had a few ideas of what I wanted this episode to be about, but I have kind of changed it because I went, I went to the chiropractor, obviously, because I thought that might help with my sciatic pain or piriformis, uh, but I'm not sure. It's one of those things like you can't really tell, like, did it help? Because I don't know, I don't have a magic crystal ball. I don't know what it would have felt like without that. So either way, I did go. And as I was sitting there, there's this really great magazine called Pathways. I I think it's maybe a chiropractic magazine. It comes out quarterly. Um, I kind of want to get it because every time I'm there and I have to sit and read whatever magazines to wait. Every article in that magazine is like spot on, so freaking good. And there was one that I was just kind of going to go over with you. It's called Better Solutions. And the title underneath says 10 Crucial Lessons from Trying to Heal My Kids from Autism, Anxiety, and ADHD. And I think, you know, Obviously, this is specifically for those issues, but what she writes about her 10 lessons, I mean, they go for everything, right? They are for any type of illness, for any type of issue that you're having. And these are all things that I learned through this journey and over the last, you know, seven or eight years, um, Because anybody who's been down this path has basically had your eyes opened to a lot of things that you had no idea about before and also had a completely different 
idea of what it maybe was, you know, um, of your view, whether that was medicine, the healthcare system, doctors, I mean, just, you know, certainly this goes for veganism because I have felt this way. I mean, when I started learning about the industry, the animal agriculture industry, I was like, how in the world did I not know this? And this is the same with the healthcare and what it's become now. Like, I truly honestly believe that, you know, 50 years ago, it was different. Um, Again, you know, if you've listened to my episode about John D. Rockefeller and the creation of the healthcare system, then you know, it didn't really start with like pure intentions anyways, but it's been over a hundred years now and it's really gone to the dogs, (laughs) if you ask me. Um, And then after recently being hospitalized um, and sick a couple months ago, I got an even more rude awakening and got to view it firsthand of what's happened in the past five years. Cause I had not, I have not really been to any, uh, allopathic doctors for the most part, other than here and there, uh, in the past five or six years. And it's gotten even worse, like even worse. And I had no clue of how bad it really truly was. And maybe I should talk about that. I don't know. I mean, it was, the corruption that I saw and that the nurses told me about that what doctors were doing in the hospital that I was at here in Wilmington uh, was extremely alarming. And then upon getting my bill and seeing the charges that I was charged and the codes that they used and the times that they claimed that they were with me, even though they only saw me for three minutes, uh, it is just clear indication of how messed up this whole, the whole, the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's been teetering on collapse for years now. And, um, now with these mandates and lots of nurses and doctors quitting and (laughs) not having enough staff, um, it's just, it's a mess. So, so yeah, the 10 crucial lessons that this lady learned when she was trying to heal her kids uh the beginning so her name is uh jennifer and she is a psychotherapist so she's been in that mainstream medicine world for a while um which she contributes to her you know being able to have a strong understanding even more of you know the strength and weaknesses of of that system um and then of course when her own children became ill or had issues, uh, it created a whole different sense of urgency in trying to figure out how to fix them and then recognizing that the system was not built to help <laughs> with these things. And uh, and if anything, you know, what we're doing at this point in time is contributing and exacerbating the problem. So the number one thing, the first thing that she writes about is how (laughs) doctors were not reading the same medical journals as she was. Um, When she started collecting data and studies and articles from lots of esteemed medical journals, and she did all of this research and, and realized how much research there is out there, it became apparent that the the pediatricians and the mainstream medical community were not on board and were not even reading these studies that were out there. 
you know, and being done in all of these highly respected um, schools and, you know, published in all of these, you know, highly respected journals, but they weren't learning these, you know, and it was kind of like this, this rude awakening of like, oh my gosh, like, and, and this is how I have felt in the past that I've read all of these different things about, you know, the, the microbiome or the GI tract and most recently certain, you know, jabs and things like that, that I am reading myself with my own two eyes, studies that are out there, uh, doctors who, and scientists who are exploring these things. And then when you talk, when you bring it up to a doctor, they have no, they look at you like you're freaking crazy, (laughs) you know? And I have definitely experienced times that I was like, oh my God, I know more about this than the freaking doctor. And, you know, sadly, a lot of people put these people on pedestals. Like, again, they are human. They are not God. And of course, they can't learn every single thing that's out there. I mean, that would be crazy. But at the same time, like, if you are in a certain field, I mean, aren't you always wanting to learn and grow and 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 find out what the newest things is? I mean, because medicine is, you're, you're practicing medicine, right? That's why they say, you know, you're practicing medicine. It is, is not finite. It's always changing. Uh, and we're always discovering new things, obviously. Like we didn't, God hasn't given us a manual and been like, okay, this is everything. You know, I mean, we, we're constantly changing our theories on certain things and discovering why, you know, especially with developmental delays and anxiety and autism. I mean, there's a lot that has come out about that. And clearly linking gut issues and food sensitivities um, to those issues. And yet, if you bring it up to certain doctors or pediatricians, they will just look at you like you're crazy and be like, you know, oh, you look on the internet too much. Well, there's actually some really good information if you search for it, again, in medical journals. This is not some off random website, you know, that's has no credibility or whatever. These are this is clear data, clear science that people are just doctors and, and, um, are not looking at the same stuff. So that was the first thing that she learned. And again, I definitely realized that as well. I mean, I've said it before on here when I had started having GI issues and, you know, was diagnosed with a GI disorder. The first thing I asked the doctor was, is there something I should or shouldn't be eating? And she just was like, no, it's not going to make a difference. I mean, you can try it. I mean, I, I, the first thing I did was go gluten-free and that was kind of the beginning of that like gluten-free craze. I didn't know at the time that going gluten-free was not because of the gluten, but was because of the glyphosate, you know, which I talk about all the time. But so I didn't know that then as I know now, but just the fact that a doctor would say, (laughs) would look at their patient, a GI doctor, and tell you that food makes no difference in the literal, seriously, actual organ and organs that deal with processing food. Does that make any sense whatsoever? It makes no sense. No sense. And pretty much every doctor that I've seen has not acknowledged that nutrition makes a difference. The only doctors that I know that do acknowledge it are not my actual doctors. They're, you know, people I've had on the podcast or, you know, don't live nearby and whatnot. So there are some that are out there, but the major, the vast majority 
you know, I mean, obviously this is not like a hundred percent of anyone, but vast majority of doctors don't think that food makes a difference at all. And that makes no sense. Y'all nutrition is everything. Uh, of course, I mean, it's not a hundred percent. I say it's everything, but it's not, it's, it is a large portion though of the puzzle. So the second thing that Jennifer talks about is how, and this is a big one, Big Pharma writes our doctor's textbooks. Mm, people don't like that, do they? People don't want to believe how Big Pharma is just calling all the shots here, y'all. Um, and it's really a frightening, it's frightening to learn how much control Big Pharma has on everything, on the textbooks, on policies in our in our government, in our country, uh, and that is certainly a rude awakening, I think. But you know, people always say it like money, money trumps everything, and greed is what takes over everything. So, so big pharma writes our doctors' textbooks. This was, um, you know, a big lesson that she learned. It's a big lesson that I learned, and. Basically what's happening and what happened from Rockefeller is the same kind of thing, but the drug company money is tainting the medical education and they write the the textbooks and use their own money to finance drug studies, which obviously should seem like a conflict of interest there, you know, and I've seen this with big ag. They do the same thing. They will fund their own studies to come up with what conclusion? Bacon is good for you. What? No. You have to look at who funded the studies. Um, most of the time, if it's in favor of something that sounds odd, uh, if you just do a little breadcrumb searching, you can find out that it was probably funded by the people who are benefiting from it. So it says that Dr. Marcia Angel, Angel, former editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, stated how corporate dollars corrupt research and education at academic medical centers, including Harvard Medical School. Again, that's so sad because people automatically assume that, you know, if it's Harvard or Yale or like these Ivy League schools, that it must be be honest but honestly I think the bigger the school the more corrupt it is is kind of what I've seen lately but um, pharmaceutical companies spend millions of dollars to implement carefully designed plans according to R. Webster Kerr of the Independent Cancer Research Foundation the FDA NIH NCI ACS and medical schools are their puppets so this should just knowing this does help you have a, a more open view and a, and keep an open mind when you're looking at any information that comes out from these organizations or these schools in general. And just, just you know, take it with a grain of salt. Do your own research on it. I mean, you can read it and be like, hmm, that's interesting. Let me look into that myself, you know. I mean, this is, the truth is that we have to do the due diligence ourselves because, Greed has gotten in the way and you can't believe everything you read because money talks, you know? So the third thing that she spoke about is, oh, this is a good one. 
Our medical community ignores the power of plant medicine and calls it pseudoscience. Oh my gosh, I roll. This has been even more annoying for me this past year with the whole Wikipedia, you know, um, they locked out certain articles or certain pages on Wikipedia that all had to do with healing naturally and all said that they were pseudoscience and you couldn't go in and edit. So the whole point of Wikipedia has been that it was open and you could go in and edit it. Oh, but not these pages because we don't want you to actually put what happens here. So yeah, so that was, that's been annoying. Um, but again, that's been a long time that People who are trying to make extra, extra money, lots and lots of money, will try to uh, shut down anything that is alternative now. They call it alternative, even though originally it was the gold standard, right? Um, But you cannot patent nature. And the crazy thing is that, you know, pharmaceutical companies actually take plants and create synthetic forms of them you know, so that then they can patent them. So they actually, I mean, most drugs out there have been uh, derived or tried to copy to some extent actual plants. Um, So that's pretty, it's pretty obnoxious. But again, you can't patent nature and you can't make money off of that. They can't make the same, they can't make billions off of, you know, turmeric. It's not going to happen. So uh, pharmaceutical companies, obviously, they've set out to discredit any holistic treatment Um, especially in those areas of highest drug profits, such as cancer, heart disease, psychiatric disorders, and allergies, even though they are widely used in other countries and steeped in tradition. Again, these are things that have been used for thousands of years to heal people, and now they're trying to discredit it even even harder than they have in the past. course we know that John G. Rockefeller had set out to do a smear campaign on holistic treatments in the early 1900s um, and and was successful in closing down a lot of schools and chiropractic and uh, alternative things that they call now but um, it's it seems like it's I'm gonna say I don't know if easier is the word but because of technology and the internet they're finding new ways to censor now um, anyone who is promoting holistic alternative remedies and it's basically an attack on holistic treatments Um, a very very intense attack on it and I I think that people don't understand the the serious implications of this, of censorship in general, um, and how bad it is for a uh, country that is founded on free free speech and democracy. So we'll see what happens in the future. Um, So drug companies use the term scientific evidence as a political definition to control the FDA and the NIH. She says they buy investigative journalists with their advertising... They pay doctors and psychiatrists to speak out or to speak on their behalf and offer up expensive trips and steep payments. They also block contributions 
by using terms like unproven treatments and that many charitable organizations are entirely controlled along with Congress. Yeah, one of the first things that I did start learning about with the corruption of the nonprofits was just how much money they were making and, you know, the CEOs and, I mean, they're just raking in the dough, you know, tugging on people's heartstrings because people, so everybody has been affected by cancer or heart disease and things like that. So they're tugging on people's heartstrings to get money, but they're not actually providing any anything for these specific diseases. There is a lot of corruption with these nonprofits. And this information can be kind of a, a rude awakening for people who are new to this. Or even if you slowly came into it, it's it's still it's still baffling to me that it's like this. You know, it's oh gosh. I mean, I mean, we just want things. We just want to be able to choose, and we want to be able to help people. I mean, that's a that's a sad thing. Is like the people who are promoting holistic remedies only do it from the goodness of their heart for for real. I mean, they 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 know a lot of them have experienced illness themselves, and they have experienced the fail of the healthcare world um, to give them any type of, you know, relief for chronic illness. And uh, and so they know firsthand and they, they literally just want to help people find answers and feel better long term, you know, without all of the crazy side effects. Um, so, so the fourth thing is that the biggest corporate sponsors of American academic, I can't speak, American Academy of Pediatrics are pharma companies. Now, this was a big one for basically every, for everything, is when you learn that the American Association of Dietitians or whatnot, I mean, all of these different organizations, their biggest sponsors are pharma companies and nasty food. Like literally Coca-Cola, like Nabisco, all of this processed junk that is not healthy for anyone. They are some of the biggest sponsors. So she goes on to say the American Academy of Pediatrics was created in 1930 as, quote, independent forum for the health and well-being of our children. Today, Corporate partners of the Friends of Children Fund, a charitable fund run by AAP, include Sonify Pasture, which is a vaccine group, Merck, Glasgow Smith Klein, Johnson and Johnson, etc. And then she says, "A conflict of interest?" Question mark Have our doctors been bought? I believe so. Uh, definitely true, and definitely upsetting. The fifth thing is conventional doctors tend to address only one organ at a time. Uh, And one of the fundamental flaws of our existing medical paradigm is the tendency to approach health and sickness only through a disease-based or single-organ-focused lens. We treat the body as a machine with separate parts, assign a diagnosis label, and match it with a corresponding pharmaceutical. In reality, the human body is complex, interconnected web of biochemistry. I mean, this is this is what holistic medicine is. It is looking at the whole body 
because everything is connected, you know, and this is, it has been upsetting to me. It's like, and I, and I know a lot of people have experienced this, that they, they have something, you know, quote wrong with them. So they go to a doctor for that organ. Um, and then they get, you know, sent to somebody else for this, for this, you know, they have a side effect of this, which is causing this organ to be, I mean, it's just like this runaround and nobody is like working together to try to like look at the whole picture. And that's what this holistic medicine is, is looking at the whole picture, the whole body to try to figure out why this is happening. Because if you obviously have, you know, something wrong with your hormones, it doesn't necessarily, that might not be the reason that your hormones are messed up. It could be because you have leaky gut or you have gut microbiome issues, you know, because everything is linked to the gut. I mean, we all know that, right? <laughs> so, um, but that is the unfortunate thing. If you go to a gynecologist because, you know, oh, your hormones, you should go to female doctor. Um, and what are they going to do? They're going to put you on birth control. They're not addressing the real issue and they're not trying to figure out what the real issue is. Like, why is this happening? Let's ask the question. Nobody even asks why. They just say, they just throw you a pill and here you go. This will cover up the symptoms. Oh, but it might create some more issues, but you know, whatever. Then you can take a pill for that one, right? So, um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty upsetting, um, that they, I mean, maybe one day, you know, in a perfect world, medical doctors will start to treat the whole body, you know, as holistic and functional doctors do. Um, and I know that there are a lot, uh, there's definitely a lot more institutions out there that are doing that. Um, I've definitely had some people on my podcast who, and some doctors who were, uh, involved in that type of practice and, uh, you know, kudos to them, um, because that is certainly what we need. I mean, it, it's definitely a conversion of the two, uh, views, you know, I mean, I've said it before. I mean, we, it's not that we need to get rid of allopathic medicine, but we need to merge allopathic and holistic functional medicine together because, I mean, we have like the sickest country. Obviously, you know, just doing allopathic is not working. Okay. Number six. Oh, this is one of my favorites. Our genetics are not the end of our story. Yay. This is a big message. Um, because I think a lot of times people, I've heard it so many times, you know, they just shrug things off as, oh, these are my genes. You know, I can't do anything about it. You know, my mom had breast cancer. My grandma had breast cancer or my, all my grandparents had heart disease. I'm going to have heart disease. And it's just like accepting that as your fate. And that doesn't have to be the way, you know, I mean, best quote ever, you know, genes loads the gun, lifestyle pulls the trigger, right? Um, and this was a big one for me learning and also, uh, I think should be very empowering. You know, I, I, I truly believe that when you feel like you have control of your own destiny, I mean, it feels good, you know? And of course that doesn't mean that it's impossible to happen if you're doing all these things because there's there's lots of stuff that's out of our control you know our environment toxins obviously like our upbringing you know and what we were fed or what we were exposed to then um what type of jabs we've had what type of medical interventions um what kind of drugs we have taken in the past obviously plays a role but 
that doesn't mean we shouldn't try, you know, if, if 90% of disease is lifestyle related and only 10% is genetic, those are really pretty good odds. If somebody said to you, you have cancer, but you have a 90%, you know, uh, you know, recover remission rate. I mean, you have 90% rate that you're going to live, then I would be like, heck yeah, I'm going to be fine. You know, and you would do your things that, that you felt like you should do. And, um, those are really good odds, right? So the genetics are not everything. Uh, it is not a clear cut, uh, you know, end of our story. And, and this was, you know, obviously attributed to her kids with the ADHD and depression and autoimmune diseases, even if they run in your family does not mean that it is your fate. And we have more control over it than the medical industry wants us to believe. And of course they, they want you to believe that because what are the biggest big bucks? What, what are, what are hospitals in the medical community making big bucks off of? Well, the top diseases, which are number one, heart disease and number two, cancer. And if you know anybody who's had any of those issues, think of how much their hospital bills have been. If you have open heart surgery I mean, you're looking at what, 50 grand or something? I mean, I'm chemo. I don't even, I don't even know. I mean, I know of people who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on chemotherapy and, you know, those are where they make the big bucks, right? Or if you have to be on a pharmaceutical for the rest of your life, wow, I mean, it's a pretty good industry to be in if you want to make lots of money. Um, so yeah, it's basically, you know, the foods we eat or don't eat, the nutrients we take or don't take. I mean, stress levels, sleeping habits, and toxins that we are exposed to, whether that be from our skincare um, or our houses. I mean, that's kind of unfortunate. That, But that's why we should try to get outside as much as we can because the air in our houses is actually more toxic than the air outside. So we should try to get outside as much as possible. Okay, so number seven is one that I've already kind of touched on, and that is that most doctors know very little about nutrition. As of right now, only 20% of all medical schools have any type of nutrition classes, and of that 20%, the most that they have is 20 hours. I mean, I, I can spend 20 hours studying about nutrition in just a week or so. <laughs> and so many people are going to their doctor asking them for nutritional advice because they think that that would be the place to go. And sadly, it is not. Of course, we know, as we've said, that most disease is preventable and a lot of it is related to nutrition. Yet doctors today do not know the science of how healthy food heals, nor do they see the impact fake food, processed food, all the nasty stuff that's taking up about 90% or more of space at the grocery store. Pesticides, toxic chemicals have on our health. So certainly they are not really the best source for figuring out what to what to eat. And, you know, I, I hear this so often that people go to their doctors and ask them, you know, well, doctor, what should I be eating? And the doctor responds with, oh, just eat a healthy diet. 
well, what the heck does that mean? You know, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, so that is a huge one. Number eight is allopathic MDs do not heal autoimmune disorders. And she goes on to say, you cannot get help from a pill. I mean, a hundred percent, you're never going to find healing through a pharmaceutical pill. Again, they are designed to cover up symptoms. They're not designed to balance the body. And you're not going to get balancing and homeostasis from a pharmaceutical synthetic drug. It's just, it's never going to happen. When we go to these specialists, like a gastroenterologist or an endocrinologist who treats autoimmune disorders, they rarely ever discuss food, healing foods, detoxification, or any other modalities that can heal the body. And they certainly are not going to talk about what you should and shouldn't be eating. You know, instead, that's what they do. They prescribe drugs. And usually those are immunosuppressants or steroids, which again, will just mask the symptoms. They never get to the root cause of an illness, nor are they going to heal the illness. If anything, they actually can exacerbate it and can create more illnesses in the future, creating more imbalances Um, They really do more harm than good. Of course, there are some really dire situations where pharmaceuticals may be necessary, but for most of the issues that are plaguing our society right now, um, pharmaceuticals are not the answer. Uh, So number nine is insurance companies do not cover important treatments and therapies. This is one that really makes no sense to me from a monetary perspective for for the insurance side, right? If if more, quote, alternative interventions were covered by insurance, more people would, you know, be obliged to go to those, right? As opposed to, I mean, they would be more inclined, I think, um, than to have to pay out of pocket and they would go to these alternative interventions and therapies and could reduce the amount of money that would be that would cost them when they go would have to go to the hospital or would have to have open heart surgery or would have to be on immunosuppressant crazy biologics that cost you know 10 20 30 thousand dollars a month wouldn't that be more beneficial for the insurance company I mean it really it just doesn't make any sense but again money and politics or the reason insurance won't cover safer alternatives. And the more services they exclude from coverage while still selling policies to patients, the better it is for their bottom line. So, I mean, it's not about healing the people. It's about the bottom line. And, I mean, this is where we we really need to get some people (laughs) who are making these policies who actually care about the people and not about their wallets. But most people that get into it, that is how it works. And that's, and, and most people who end up winning because it's just the, the system is kind of rigged. Um, I don't know how to fix that because it's, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion, right? Um, so number 10 is healthcare today. It puts band-aids on splinters instead of pulling them out. So instead of getting to the root cause of an issue, they just put, a Band-Aid on top, which 
it's just kind of like the festering wound thing. You know, if you put a Band-Aid on a festering wound rather than cleaning it out, you know, disinfecting it, figuring out what, like, why did this wound happen? Is there something stuck in there? That kind of thing. They just put a Band-Aid on top. And then what happens? It becomes a full-blown, giant, you know, uh, infected thing. And then you have to like get your arm amputated or something. This is just my analogy, right? It's pretty intense, but it's just like that. Or another analogy people often say is, you know, you have like your, your kitchen sink is overflowing. And instead of figuring out why it's overflowing, as in like turn off the faucet or turn off the water, you just grab a mop and you just keep mopping up the over the water on the floor. Like that makes no sense, you know? Uh, current pharmaceutical and surgical methods are incredibly useful for treating acute life-threatening health issues. Again, this is where I would love to have that. I mean, if my legs gets broken, if I get in a car wreck, those kind of things. Um, however, for more nuanced disorders, these approaches do not take into account the complex communication that exists between the various systems of the body and can ultimately lead to a breakdown in communication followed by a loss of function. Often the side effects of these treatments can be as harmful or even worse than the original symptom itself. Eastern medicine modalities are ancient systems of healthcare that consider all the biological systems of the whole body Natural medicine practitioners strive to stimulate the body's natural capacity to heal itself, leading to healing on a much deeper level. So this is where we are today, people. And I appreciate you for listening and and being awake to these problems. And I think that the awakening is just like the first step in in healing and fixing this this issue that that is affecting all of us because i mean at this point i guarantee that every person listening has been affected by lifestyle diseases or autoimmune diseases and these things are just increasing and we need more people out there you know spreading the word and like preaching of there's another way, you know, there's another way. And I mean, I don't know. I think as people get more sick, I think that they do end up turning to alternative medicine. I mean, I think that's happened to a lot of people. I mean, most people that do, if you didn't have a family member that was already kind of entrenched in that world, then the likelihood that you came to this place because of, you know, the lack of of help that you got from allopathic medicine is pretty high. I mean, that's basically what happened to me, right? I mean, I got no direction and I just got worse. So I did start looking to other avenues because I did feel like there had to be some there had to be some something else out there. And there had to be a reason. I mean, I feel like there's a reason for everything that happens in life. And just like with my most recent issues that I've had, There obviously is a reason why it happened and I've figured it out and I'm working on it so it doesn't happen again. But me just taking a bunch of pills is not going to, it's not going to fix anything. Anyway, I think that article was really great and I'm going to link the Pathways 
website at the bottom in the show notes if you're interested in subscribing. I just subscribe to their digital magazine, but I feel like I want to have, I might subscribe to get the actual physical one because I just like to, I like to read things in my hands. You know, I'm not, I'm not a digital, as far as like reading books digitally, it's not my thing. Um, but if it is, then, then the digital, the digital way is, is perfect. Um, and that doesn't cost anything, but the physical subscription obviously does. And it's four, uh, four issues a year. So each issue is, I mean, really, really great. Like, really well thought out. I mean, the articles are awesome. And, um, I don't think it's, it's definitely not just for chiropractic. I I'm, and I'm not even sure if that's true. Let's actually look it up. Pathways magazine. Okay. Here I found it. It is pathways to family wellness. Um, so it is, Oh, it's so great. It's a quarterly print and digital magazine whose nonprofit mission, mission is to support you and your family's quest for wellness. Our magazine is content rich with minimal advertising. Experience for yourself the variety of stories amid visually striking imagery. The creators of Pathways to Family Wellness envision a world of thriving, empowered families who easily connect to inner and outer resources, practitioners in a supportive community needed to create wholeness on all levels of existence. We believe stepping onto our personal pathway to wellness is a consciousness-raising act with the power to regenerate and transform ourselves, our families, our community, and our world. Oof, love it. Yeah, I need to get the physical form of this. So I hope you enjoyed that episode and maybe it inspired you to subscribe to pathways <laughs> and and maybe you learned something or maybe maybe you were it just reaffirmed your knowledge that you already had <laughs> um and yeah until next time my lovely friends which will be you next week <gasps> until next time peace and plants